Alright, alright, everyone, welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and I am your host. Wanted to thank you so very much for tuning in. Anything you can do to support the podcast, with the usual spiel, like, comment, subscribe, written review, star rating, most importantly, sharing. It, be that social media, be that people you know in person, etc., etc. Anything that you can do to help out the show, any people you know that you think might enjoy it, any and all of it helps. Thank you, as always, for your continued support. means the world to me. All right, on the agenda this evening, boy, what a unfortunately lackluster weekend of combat sports, eh? Uh, I'm going to go over not just the UFC event, that's obviously going to take the bulk of my time, It'll be UFC on ESPN 34, that was last night. Uh, we're also going to do a little bit of some of the other events. There was a Bellator event on Friday. And look, I joke about Bellator frequently, but that's because they make it so easy. But they have some they have some good fighters. I've never hid that fact. And they have matches on occasion that I care about. And there was a couple of those on Friday. And, well, there was awkwardness. So we'll get into that. And uh, some of the other just combat sports-related stuff. Uh, then, let's see, there's a preview. Next week, UFC on ESPN Plus 63. Oof. And what do you want me to say, guys? I tell the truth here. Yeah? Last night's event, not terribly compelling on paper. Wound up not being terribly compelling in practice. This next event, not, not great on paper. You don't hear the, you don't hear the people who do the, they come out with the line. You know, it's the ones you think, it's the ones you don't expect all that much out of that turn in the best fights. Yeah, right. No, look, it happens sometimes. But again, I did the math at one point on that. I don't remember it specifically, but it's, it's like one out of every six or so that. And again, you have to kind of break this down to which one looked good on paper, which one didn't look good on paper, etc. Uh, I don't know that that ratio would still be true today, so don't hold me to that, but there was a period of time, I mean, like four or five years ago, I think, when I, that talking point gets brought up on occasion, usually after one of these weaker cards on paper over delivers, and they go, and these, the sicker fans go, see, 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 it's these ones, and you go, yeah, but what about the last four? That didn't look good on paper, and they don't really have an answer, because there isn't one. So, didn't see a lot of those people chirping about this event, but we'll go so we'll go over it and again, we tell the truth here. So, we'll preview next week's event and go over news of the week such as it exists, fairly light news week. All right. Well, with all of that usual preamble out of the way, let's get into the the, the material. UFC on ESPN 34. Uh, main event Bilal Muhammad defeats Vicente Luque via unanimous decision. 249-46 is 148-47. Um, I was 48-47 for Muhammad. I don't think 49-46 is out of line. Um, the fight itself was... Watch the first round and you'll see the fight. Um, the third round, I think the third round is the one that uh, Luke universally won. Uh, he hurt Muhammad with a left hook at one point. Like, his striking just 
was very effective in that round. Uh, here's how this fight tended to go. Luke would press forward, work the jab a little bit, land some calf kicks. Muhammad would circle and circle, fire back some punches, land a body kick here or there, and then just time a takedown. Get some top control time, not do a whole lot with it, but uh, you know, enough, and then win the round. Rinse and repeat. There's not a lot to talk about here, technique-wise. There's a couple of things I can mention. Um, Muhammad has a really nice way of setting up some of his shots. Not all the time. In fact, when he gets flustered, he gets worse about it. But when everything's kind of going according to plan, he's really good about moving you, right? Like keeping you off balance, moving you laterally. And when you start moving more and more laterally, if you're able to time that, uh, it, it does leave you open. As long as I know where you're going to be, I can launch some kind of offense based around that. When it comes to takedowns, this usually means I either bait you into an exchange and then get you when your feet are planted, or if I time it right, I get you while you're stepping as you're moving side to side to keep up with me. And he does a fair bit of that. And it, look, if you're a big fight nerd, that's kind of cool. And it's something that more people should be kind of trying to implement. Um, here's kind of the downside to Bilal Muhammad. If you're a bit again, if you're kind of a big fight nerd, you can set you can pick out little things that he does and go, you know that that's kind of cool. There's some little nuanced stuff you can pay attention to, etc. If you're an average MMA fan, his fights are just profoundly uninteresting, and I think that's kind of the wall he's gonna run up against. Now he's on a good winning streak, and this is a good win. I am. I am not here to dump on the man's fighting abilities. I'm talking about... Uh, we're talking about, like, the relationship with the fans, right? I mean, he hasn't had a finish since... I mean, look, he's only lo he's only been finished once. That was the first Luke fight. But in his entire UFC run... And he debuted in the UFC in 2016, so... See, look how many fights he has in the promotion. 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So 16 UFC fights. First of all, very good run. You want to know how many finishes he has in that time period? Two. He has two fights that he has finished. He finished Augusto Montano in 2016 via punches, and then he submitted to Kashi Sato in 2019, and that's it. Kind of thought he lost that Tim Means fight, too, now that I think about it. I'd have to double-check that, but that's, that was my loose assessment of it. Uh, I mean, look, that said, look, he's on a good streak. He's unbeaten in, what, nine fights? The only blemish there is that no contest with Leon Edwards, and oof. Look, I don't blame him for not being able to continue that fight. I said that after the fact. But rewatch the first round of that fight. And I'm not saying Muhammad couldn't have changed the t turned the tide a little bit. Enough time passes, Edwards maybe slows down, etc., etc. But that was going badly for him. Uh, that's going to be something he's going to kind of run up against. 
And, again, people just... He's just not that interesting to watch for most fighter, for most fans. Again, if you're, you know, me or even bigger nerd than I am, it's not that there's nothing you can find in what he does that's somewhat intriguing. Or that's not kind of cool. But anything less, I, I think if you're... If you're any more casual than I am, and I am, I'm not the most hardcore uh, fight fan in the world, but I'm up there. I think if you're a lot, if you're any kind of more casual than me, this guy is just, uh, you don't care. And I saw some people after the fight going, you know, the guy doesn't deserve the hate. He's a, he's a fun guy to be around. I, this is not an indictment of his personality. Or who he is as a human being. I will take your word for it that he's a fun guy. But I'm not wa- I'm not hanging out with him, and I'm I'm watching him fight. And if his fighting style is not terribly interesting to the majority of the fan base, all I can do is you know again call a spade a spade. That's kind of where he is at the moment. He's a tough guy to beat. I mean, he's only lost three times in the UFC. His debut was against Alan Joban. It's a tough draw. The Luke loss, which he just avenged, and then in 2019, the Jeff Neal fight. And since then, uh, all wins, won no contest. And none of those were especially... Like, there's none that he kind of got that he shouldn't have. There's none that he just squeaked out. And since that time, he's beaten again, Curtis Millender, finished Sato, beat Lyman Good, Diego Lima, no contest with Edwards, beat Maya, beat Stephen Thompson, and now Vicente Luque. And again, during that run, I don't think he was the beneficiary of a bad decision. I don't think... You know, he won all those, and he won all those fairly. And that's an impressive thing to accomplish, and he deserves all the credit in the world for his success. But we're also ta- I'm also here to, again, talk about how do people relate to the fans and whatnot on occasion, and he's just kind of a non-entity. And his style's a big reason for that. Uh, after the fight, he said he, he called out Colby Covington. I don't know if the UFC's going to do Covington versus Kamzat Shemaev. That's what Dana White had indicated last week. Or if... You know, something's up with Colby that might preclude that, or he might find something else. Um, it's not unreasonable. I mean, Muhammad will be in the top five, probably number five in the rankings. So calling out someone ranked above him makes all the sense in the world. Covington's a pretty big target. So, makes again, that makes sense. Um, I don't know that he's going to get it. He might wind up fighting, I don't know. Uh, let me pull up the rankings real fast. I forget sometime. I forget a little bit about the top of welterweight. Because you've got Usman. I think it's what? Usman, Covington, Hamzat. Okay. Usman, Covington, Edwards, Hamzat, Burns. And then I assume Muhammad and Luke are going to swap places. Um, so he might wind up fighting Burns. Uh, funniest thing ever. Uh, not ever, but... One of the quotes that kind of came out, because Tony Ferguson said this at one point about, I think he said it about Habib, that you've got Dana White privilege. Because 
of how he was being booked and whatnot. So one of the things Muhammad said after this about Ed, about Leon Edwards getting the title shot is that Leon Edwards has Dana White privilege, and that's that's comical. That's it's so profoundly inaccurate. Leon Edwards has had to jump through more hoops than just about anyone to finally get a title shot. He's been passed over more than once. Uh, again, just... I don't know if he's sincere in that or if he just wanted to make some waves with a soundbite, but if he's sincere, that's comical lack of awareness. Comical. Uh, I don't... Again, Edwards is probably next for Usman, which is overdue, to be candid. Shemaev and Burns just fought. Um, you got Covington floating out there, so he could fight anyone, assuming he goes up to number five. Uh, anyone ranked above him is a perfectly viable fight for him. So, uh, this was a again a solid win, which sometimes that's all you can do. Uh, unfortunate for Luke. This ended a four-fight winning streak. Um, I don't know. Luke's a deeply underappreciated guy in the UFC. But the way he fought here, in particular his inability to really adjust to the takedowns from Muhammad, and that really hurt him. I mean, at least two of those rounds... If he stuffs the takedown and stays upright, he, he was getting the better of the striking. It was going, it's not to say Muhammad was getting tuned up, because that's a, that would be a vast exaggeration. But it was going Luke's way. I don't think that's unfair. Muhammad had some good punches on occasion, but generally speaking, it was leaning towards Luke. If he's able to keep a couple of those rounds completely on the feet, he wins those rounds and he wins the fight. Now, he didn't. But this is a pretty big setback for him. And you lose that winning streak. You lose a boring fight. And this was just a boring fight. He's 30. Not only is he 30, he's got 30 fights. He debuted professionally in 09. He's been with the UFC since 15. Um, that's an... Uh, I'm not saying the guy's done at all, but... Those are some pretty hefty. Those are some pretty hefty odds stacked against him. So, I don't expect him to retire or anything. But uh, this was kind of a critical moment for both guys, and Luke came out on the losing end of it ultimately. So that was your main event. Co-main event, uh, Kyle Bohalio uh, defeated Gadzi uh, Omargaziev via technical decision, 29-27s across the board, at 3.56 of the third. Um, Omargaziev gets a takedown in the first, and Bohalio hits a really nice, slightly modified giggler sweep. Uh, it came from full guard more than half, and you usually see that on a half guard. But the same kind of principles apply. Gets on top, gets the back, rides out the round, clear round for him. Second round, Omargaziev slips, overthrowing a punch. Bohalio jumps on his back, keeps the back, wins the round. Third round. Um, another, Bohalio rolled, again, a lot of grappling here. Bohalio rolled for a knee bar at one point. 
Valhalla Yield Defends. It's like, oh my god, he evolved for the new bar. Uh, what ends up ending the fight when it does end, they're against the fence, Omar Gadziev is looking to wall walk, but he's got one fist on the ground. And ba Bahalio knees him in the head. Uh, this is obviously a foul, Omar Gadziev cannot continue, and it's ruled that we are, uh, a point is deducted, hence the 29-27. So Bahalio loses a point, and they go to a technical decision, uh, with Bahalio winning all three rounds. Last round winds up 9-9 because of the point deduction. This was the second technical decision we had on the card. It was one on the prelims, and we'll get to that when we get to it, but... This last card... I think I saw uh, Sean Alshadi say it on Twitter. You know, if you're up two rounds going into the third... You may as well foul the guy. Um, <laughs> as long as you're winning the third round or the ref chooses not to take a point, depending on the situation. You know, uh, Bahalio here cut out a full minute of potential action where he might have been finished. Was not going... Let me be very clear about this. That fight was going his way and had been going his way for basically the whole fight. But MMA is chaotic. And anything you can do to limit said chaos is to your benefit. So, beat up a guy for two rounds and then get out of the third as quickly as possible. You foul him, he can't continue. Maybe I take a point penalty, maybe I don't. But I removed his the opponent's ability to change the dynamic. And there's going to be no penalty for this. Because... The rules and their implementation are kind of what they are. Um, you know, there was a there was a question raised up by commentary. You know, why was it that you know Piotr Jan was disqualified for his knee that landed on Aljamain Sterling, whereas here Bahalio gets a point deducted and we go to the scorecards. And it's a fair question to ask. What gets brought up frequently when this discussion comes up is uh, the word intent. And frequently, Daniel Cormier does this all the time. You know, if I'm in there and I'm throwing something I intend to throw it, what does it mean? What do you mean by intent? I think when we discuss intent here, it's more along the lines of, did you intend to foul them? Now, this is not an unreasonable line to draw. Um, basketball has this. There's a difference between a foul and a flagrant foul, by, for example, or they change the, or do they change that to a technical foul? I forget some of the terminology that might have shifted. But there's degrees of fouls. Now there's degree, I believe there's degrees of fouls in uh, football, as well, American football. You know, there's some of them carry different penalties naturally. Some of them, are, some of them are more severe. So it's not that. Having a gradient is the worst thing in the world about this in some kind of vacuum setting. The problem really tends to be a bit more that, you know, how are we implementing this? So when they say again, what was their intent to throw it? Yeah, he intended to throw the knee. Bohalio did. He threw the knee at the head. Like, that wasn't an accidental, there was no accidental contact between his leg and Omar Gadziev's face. 
That was a deliberate offensive maneuver. What they're, I suppose the only argument you could try and stand on here is, you know, was Jan trying to foul him, whereas Bahalia was not trying to foul him. And at the, again, at this point, we're trying to establish intent for things that we just can't know. And it's, it's absolutely, it's kind of a clown fiesta, to be candid. There's not a lot of consistency, not just state to state, but sometimes referee to referee. There's, yeah, again, we go, there's some, uh, there are occasional bits of ambiguity within the written rules about the procedures in place. It's, it's just kind of a mess. And this was emblematic of that. Look, Bahalia won, he deserved to win. Not a terribly great fight. Um, Andre Fialho defeated, next fight. Andre Fialho defeats Miguel Baeza via TKO punches. 439 of the first. Uh, man. Baeza had a lot of hype behind him at one point. I was pretty high on the guy. But he's lost three in a row now. And he seems to be one of those guys who he's very technical and he's very good. But when things break down, when things start to get ugly, when they're not quite as textbook, he doesn't quite... Uh, I don't know if it's an experience thing or just a personality thing or some combination, but you know, some guys struggle with the chaos. And I think Baez is one of those guys. And Fialho is a very good fighter, too. He stepped in on short notice against Mig- uh, Michel Pereja. And he gave Pereja problems. I was very impressed with his uh, debut. Again, it didn't go his way, but he uh, he made Pereja work for that one. Here, um, better he was the better boxer. Baeza had some good punches, uh, landed a pretty good left hand at one point. But any time they kind of clinched up, Fialho was just offense. And he grabbed a half-collar tie, or single-collar tie, as opposed to the double, and just the finishing sequence was hammered Baeza with uppercuts. No one of those shots was really kind of a home run blow, but you get three or four really rapid fire uppercuts to the face, that can uh, that can be worth a single hard a single really hard punch, even if you, you know, even if you're hitting you know with 30% instead of you know in most punches throwing like 50 to 60. You know, most guys aren't swinging 100% all the time. It's That's deeply inefficient. But you land like three or four, even slightly lesser power than you know the average punch, but you get them all and you land them all. That can be more effective than one harder blow. Uh, follows it up with a left hook. Uh, good stuff from Fialho. Um, let's see. Uh, Myra Buena Silva defeated Wu Yanan via unanimous decision. 229-28-130-27. Did not agree with the 30-27. I thought Wu had the second. But uh, Silva, her first fight at bantamweight. She'd been at flyweight before this. She's got a good first round. Uh, She slows a little bit as the fight goes on. Gets a little bit more flat-footed. But she's got good punching power. She's a... Pretty, got pretty good technique. I I would like to see her vary up her offense a little bit more. Um, this is true of a lot of uh, female fighters. 
a lot of them just don't have a lot of power. Doesn't mean they can't hurt you. Doesn't mean I'm I'm not sitting here saying, please, you know, go ahead and hit me in the head all day long and I will suffer no ill effects. That's not what I'm saying. But you don't see a lot of women with legit, like, I touch you and you go to sleep punching power. It's very rare. Uh, and if you want to, the point being here, if you want to kind of uh, get around your lack of raw stopping power, uh, variants of target will go a long way. It's easier to hurt someone to the body than it is to the head, especially if we're dealing with you know, again, a slight lack of power. You don't need to crush someone with uh, a body shot the same way you might have to blast them with a, a headshot. You time it and you position it right, a, a lesser power body shot will have serious consequences. So, uh, just a thought. Again, there's a lot of women who could benefit from that, but there's a lot of just, eh, well, you know, headhunt. Uh, solid win for Silva. I want to give her credit for that. I believe this was your fight of the night. Check. Yeah. And, you know, that's fair. I mean, this isn't going on a year-end list at all, but it wasn't a bad fight. Uh, featherweight Pat Sabatini defeated TJ Laramie via unanimous decision, 30-26 across the board. Second round was the 10-8. I gave Laramie the first when I was doing this live. I'm not sure how much I stand by that, but I don't... I don't think giving it to Sabatini's wrong. And Sabatini clearly won the fight. He's a good wrestler. Um, he's a little bit of a slow starter. Um... I'd be very curious to see how he deals with someone who's better about keeping distance from him. Uh, now that's not the easiest thing in the world to do in MMA in general. There's a lot of contact. I don't just mean punching. I mean, there's a lot of close quarters work that happens in MMA, be that on the feet or on the ground. There's a lot of clinching, a lot of grappling. But i that's something that I think... I, I just wonder how well he's going to perform when he can't force someone to grapple with him. Uh, and kicking off the main card, Munir Lazez defeated Ange Losa of unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Fair scorecard, Losa stepped up on very short notice. Um, see, he replaced Elias Uzilski Dos Santos, and I think Dos Santos himself was replacing someone else at some point. Um... Uh, so, credit to Losa for stepping up and for turning in a good performance. Uh, again, lost every round, but it's not like... He didn't get blown out. Um, this was a pretty clear 30-27, but this was not a... What's this guy doing in here with this other guy kind of fight, you know? I think probably the most. <laughs> oh, this, this poor guy. I don't think he knew what he stepped into. Post-fight. He's doing his usual spiel, and then he closes. But I want to thank a couple of people. And one of the people he thanks is Daniel Kinahan. Now, that name might not ring a bell to you necessarily, unless you're really plugged into the MMA world. But on the off chance, this is the first time you're hearing about this. Daniel Kinahan is a drug lord. Uh, I believe he's I I Irish, I want to say. Uh, and he has a bit of an, of a, an affinity for combat sports. Like... And look, this is, be careful how I say this, it's not uncommon at all for people who are violent dictators or 
again, drug lords or, you know, powerful people with, uh, powerful people with nefarious either pasts or engaged in shady business practices. Look, these are human beings. They have likes and dislikes. Uh, some of them like sports. And again, which sport this happens to be will vary from individual to individual. Some of them like combat sports, be that MMA or boxing or kickboxing or what have you. Uh, I mean, for crying out loud, for a long time, uh, sumo like fell out of, lost a lot of popularity because of how corrupt it was. Because you know, there were yakuza members who liked sumo, uh, and consequently would you know fix fight, would fix bouts and whatnot. So. This is not something that is unique to the combat sports world. Uh, there's, you know, shady people all over the planet. Some of them get involved in various activities because they simply enjoy them. And then, you know, occasionally wield influence and money and power and whatnot in uh, dubious ways. Kinahan in particular was classified as a... I think they classified him as a terrorist... Uh, certainly a very illegal party earlier this week, I want to say, by member, as part of the uh, law enforcement here in the United States. And again, this guy has, again, some ties to a lot of um, fighters, be that boxing or mixed martial arts in particular. He's got some ties to uh, Tyson Fury, I think, as well. Lest I be accused of you know, ignoring that fact. Um, and... Every boxing promoter on the planet immediately cut ties with his organizations and whatnot. Uh, and then here's on ESPN, big ESPN, this guy on the UFC broadcast shouting out an international criminal. I think there's like a $5 million reward for information that leads to his arrest. Uh, Mr. Lizaz, if you happen to know where he is. That $5 million check from the federal government is more than you will make in multiple, multiple years of fighting in the UFC. Just throwing it out there. Um, look, it's not like MMA is... This is. It's not like this is a first for MMA. Like, organized crime again has a long history in boxing. Uh, I mean, for kind of loud, Ramzan Kadyrov was at one of the UFC events in Abu Dhabi. I forget which one. But he was present. Uh, he got some airtime. He was not... They didn't show him specifically, you know, with the little t card under him and whatnot, and go, hey, here's Ramzan Kadyrov. But he was present, certainly. Uh, uh, you know, very nearly cage-side, I want to say. And if you're not familiar at this point with the long list of allegations against Mr. Kadyrov, most of them very credible... Uh, feel free to Google him, and I'm sure you'll get some idea about, you know, that, and so that, you know, not a good look, but the UFC didn't go out of their way to draw attention to it. I, I don't know how you, it, it's easy enough to say, well, you know, you don't sell the man a ticket, you don't let him show up, and there's, I've said this before about certain fighters, others I take a much dimmer view of their association with Kadyrov on, but for some of them, there's very real-world consequences to criticizing someone like that. 
So if you live in that part of the world, for the record, Ramzan Kadyrov is the uh, he is the leader. I believe I don't know his official title. Uh, for want of a better expression, I will call him the dictator, because I believe he is a dict. I he's not, he wasn't elected. Put it that way. He's the I believe he's the dic- he's uh, so he's the dictator of Chechnya, which is part of the Russian Federation. If you happen to live in and around his part of the world, he has a lot of power. He's the ruler of a, call it a country. And, I mean, he's had um, some of his military members and whatnot in Ukraine during the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And that's not, that shouldn't be a controversial subject. It's documented that members of you know, the Chechen military and whatnot are, were in Ukraine. I think they still are. So I'm not speaking out of turn here. Uh, but there's there's very real consequences to some of these guys if you happen to aggravate someone like Kadyrov. And I accept that there's a reality to that. Someone like Frankie Edgar or Fabrizio Verdum kind of palling around with him because their manager says, hey, this is a good idea, I take a much, much dimmer view of. But even when it comes to that, no fighter, even some of those kind of, look, he, I mean, Kamzat Shemaev, like the, before his fight with Gilbert Burns, like during fight week, posted a, like a, a video conversation yet with Kadyrov. Uh, but he's not on the mic after the fight with Burns, you know, thanking the guy. And here you've got Lazez doing just that for a wanted criminal, the hefty bounty on his head. Uh, I here's the other thing about this, and this really showed up. Lazez was asked about this after the fact, and goes to the post-fight press conference, and people ask him, and some people ask him, you know, hey, the guy you shouted out, are you aware of X, Y, and Z? And don't you think you're kind of legitimizing? A, I think they call him as a narco terrorist. Or his drugs and money fund other terrorist organizations, which is how he wound up with that particular classification. And, I mean, the guy kind of played dumb, and you could... You can actually hear his core... Like, his handlers. They're not on stage with him. But you can hear people saying... Well, like, kind of shouting at him from off, sc- off camera. You know, move on, move on, move on. <laughs> they don't want to talk about this. Uh... <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I'm willing to accept that he might have been a bit in the dark about all the nefarious activities of someone you know, like Kenan. Uh, and fighters are... You think about fighters, man. If you want to understand a bunch of why fighters do what they do and feel how they feel and whatnot, understand that they get the short end of every stick. Just every stick. Short end of the pay structure, short end of the negotiation structure, short end of time you have to make money, short end of any sort of matchmaking considerations, short end of, you know, taxes, depending on where you fight. You get royally screwed over on taxes. 
the UFC will not give them one red cent that they are not contractually obligated to do so as a general rule. Uh, again, general rule. You can find individual stories of some degree of generosity from the promotion as an entity or individuals within it. But we're talking generally. You, you're just not... You just don't have everything they're on the short end of. So if someone offers you, if you're broke and you're trying to find a place to live or you're trying to make your, trying to pay for a fight camp and keep the lights on at your house and someone who's a fan of your work or has seen you fight or whatnot goes, sure, here's X amount of money. There's a, how seriously are you going to look into that? Your immediate concern is, I must keep the lights on. And this person's... uh, There's... It's just one of those things that happens. And... I'm not saying I don't understand how some fighters get kind of caught up in this. But... it's, It's just such a bad look for the sport. To be on ESPN... The opening fight for ESPN to the same week that he that this guy is classified as a as a criminal and whatnot to be here going, you know, thank you. I wouldn't be the man I am without you. Well, oh, boy. Uh, As far as the fight itself. okay, so here was the other thing. The number of people who just objected to how dare you you people covering the sport ask these questions this is what you're supposed to do if you're a journalist i look let me let me for the record i am not a journalist i do not classify myself as such i have no credentials as such i have not a journalist but that's what they should do you're not there there used to be a time, and we're not quite as bad as we used to be. I've been around long enough to remember when this was really bad. But there's a lot of fans who came up at a period of time when MMA media was not journalism. And you could argue it's still not, for the record. But it was glorified PR. You know, the there's a lot of softball questions, there's a lot of fluff pieces, there's a lot of... I talk with X fighter and I create a little bit of a clickbait title and here's my article and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it was just the, the extent to which MMA media operates, it did not operate as a journalistic entity. It operated as again, kind of a PR machine for the UFC generally. Now it is not that bad anymore. If you weren't around 10 years ago, uh, like eight, ten years ago, it was really bad. It was really bad. It's not that bad anymore. But there's still a, especially online, it seems to be, there's a big chunk of fans that object to actual journalistic work that goes on in the MMA space. Like, I don't... And it's... It's a little bit comical to see a lot of the... Oh, a portion of the fan base go, no, I I don't want to hear about this. 
And how dare you ask? Uh, no, this is their job. This is what they should be doing. Lazez should be questioned about his association with a wanted criminal. Just throwing it out there. That, that's a, it seems like a reasonable question, doesn't it? Somebody get, you know, if somebody had, I'm going to use this example and I hate to do it because it's one of the ones that everyone always goes to, but uh, if we're talking, if MMA were a thing, you know, several, several decades ago and, and you had a Colombian fighter who, after winning, said, you know, thank you, Pablo Escobar. Now, I'm not saying that uh, Kinnaman is I, entirely identical to Escobar for a variety of reasons, but this is that's more a touchstone that you'll, you'll understand, I think. And of course you'd ask about it. Again, you're a journalist. That's what you're supposed to do. But, again, there's a chunk of the fans that w the only thing they want is, hey, ask... Softball questions to fighters and yeah, just. This was not. I'm just gonna say this was not a great event, and some of the, what has come out of it has been deeply tiring. To observe. Deeply tiring. Uh, again, Lazez's striking looked good as a fight. You know, was solid. He's he's got some ability as a welterweight. I mean, I can't say a whole lot about it, but yeah, he. Fought well, long, pretty rangy guy, fought good distance, good shot selection. Took him a while to really open up and start going, but once he goes, he's got some power, he's got technique. Lazes is a very capable fighter. Uh, that was your main card. That's for the prelims. Devin Clark defeated William Knight via TKO, uh, 321 of the third. Just... Uh, they were breaking a clinch, and Clark caught Knight with an elbow, followed up with punches. Knight fell down. Uh, other than the finish, kind of a typical heavyweight fight. Not a lot here. Um, Panny Kianzad defeated Lena Landsberg via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. 1-3 to Kianzad, 2 to Landsberg. Not a terrible fight. Um, got some scrappy exchanges that uh, took place here. Um Uh, good elbow from Landsberg in the second. Kianzad um, hurt Landsberg pretty good in the first. Yeah, fun little fight. Probably the second best fight. We're talking action behind Buena Silva and uh, Wu. Drakkar Close defeated Brandon Jenkins via TKO. 33 seconds of the second round. Drakkar Close beat Brandon Jenkins like Jenkins owed him money. Uh, battered him in the first. Finished him very quickly into the second. This was barely competitive. Uh, nice to see close back. He had a lot of... He's been out for a while. Um, two years, I think. A little over two, maybe. Um, he was supposed to come back uh, last year and then had that incident where Jeremy Stevens shoved him at the weigh-ins and messed up his neck pretty badly. Um... And for some reason, people still... He opened up pretty publicly about some of the issues that came about from that. And let me just say, whiplash is one of those things that is so weird to try and get a handle on 
when someone says I've you know, I've got whiplash because there's degrees of whiplash. You know, there's I got rear-ended and some soft tissue damage and, you know, ice it, you know, alternate ice and heat, maybe see a chiropractor. Uh, and I'm okay in a month ish. Like that 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 doesn't mean you didn't have whiplash. Just means you didn't have very severe whiplash. Or there's the severe stuff where your neck gets seriously messed up for a long time. Uh, you know, uh, close mentioned that you know there's pretty decent. Ch- you know, he's got a herniated disc now. Decent chance he's going to wind up having surgery. Um, and again, it's, it's from whiplash. Whiplash, like say, I've got whiplash. Well, you know, or it's kind of like I sprained my ankle. Unless you're really in the medical field, you don't get into the degrees of sprains. Because there's various grades, some of which are purely soft tissue and is just swelling, some of which are tears, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and whiplash is kind of the same way. There's, okay, my neck is sore for a day and a half. Or, again, I monkey around with it a little bit for a month and then we're good. Or serious long-term consequences. It will mess you up. And it's just hard to say, well, okay, it came from whiplash because there's so many, again, there's so many grades within whiplash that people just, that's hard to really parse out in casual conversation. So good to see him back. Hopefully he's healthy. Uh, He looked good here. See, Rafa Garcia defeated Jesse Ronson via rear naked choke 450 of the second. Uh, Garcia looked good for pretty much this whole fight. Uh, finish came when Ronson was kind of trying to get up from his knees without properly hand fighting as he based up. You open the choke. Garcia took it. Uh, pretty solid stuff from Garcia. Let's see, heavyweight Martin Bidet defeated Chris Barnett via technical decision, 30-27 across the boards at 135 with a third. Um, Bidet had won this fight. Uh pretty cleanly he just he had busted up barnett's ribs there's a lot of clinch fighting and i don't mean that in the negative way i don't mean they were just kind of hugging and, and looking for position but they kept a pretty good pace of offense in the clinch a lot of knees and body shots pretty good elbows so uh, he busted up barnett's ribs barnett was complaining about it between rounds two and three but a hits him with another knee in the third drops him uh, Barnett, to his credit, fight, I thought the fight could have been stopped there, to be perfectly honest. Referee disagreed. Barnett kind of fights back up, but he's getting battered. And then um, Bidet throws an elbow. He's got Barnett kind of bent over at the waist, and they're perpendicular to each other. And he's throwing these downward elbows, and they're not 12 to 6. They're legally angled. But as he's throwing one, Barnett's right hand is kind of up blocking a lot of the area and as he moves his head a little bit this one goes to the back of the head uh the doctor comes in to check on barnett decides he doesn't want he's not okay with barnett continuing to fight which i'm okay look if barnett had said i can't continue with busted ribs after being hit in the back of the head by an elbow strike like i'm not gonna i am not going to throw anything approximating a stone that man's way uh, doctor says he doesn't he doesn't think Barnett can continue. There's no point deduction to Bidet, and we just 
go to a technical decision, we score the third round at that point. Um, again, look, this is, I'm going to say this. This fight was pretty one-sided. Um, Bidet kind of beat up Barnett that entire fight. I don't think he was sitting on a lead in the sense, or was worried about uh, Barnett kind of coming back at him. I think this was just kind of a, one of those unfortunate fouls that happens. Uh, and it's not good, and I might have taken a point because I'm very particular about guys getting hit in the back of the head. That's very, very dangerous. But, uh, I, I, do, again, I don't think he was kind of like, well... I'm worried about Barnett potentially turning this around in the third. I mean, he just dropped him with a body shot. He probably should have gone back to the body if we're being kidding. I think it might have been a tactical mistake on his part to keep throwing elbows to the head. But uh, this was just this one seemed more like an unfortunate accident, um, to be candid. But you know, look, what ultimately what's the penalty to Bidet for that foul for committing that foul? Nothing. Not a darn thing. Uh, lightweight. Jordan Levitt defeated Trey Ogden via split decision, 29-28. Um, it's fine either way. 29-28 for either man is perfectly acceptable. Um, I think the first and the third were the easy rounds to score, and then two became the swing round. Uh... Yeah, that's my loose recollection off the top of my head. And I mean, I'm not going to go back and rewatch this. I don't object. Again, I think you can go 29-28 for either guy and be perfectly justified. Reasonable scorecards. Uh, not a bad fight, but not a memorable one. Human strawweight Sam Hughes defeated Estella Nunes via majority decision. Uh, two 29-27s, one 28-28. Uh, Nunes had a good first round. Then... Fell off pretty hard in the second. And fell off really hard in the... Th uh, the third was a little... There was a little bit more back and forth. Um, sorry. Strike that. The second round was a little bit more even. A little bit. Um, but Nunes faded down the stretch. Uh, Hughes got a late takedown and got some good work off. Third round, all Hughes. Uh, we get to the scores that we get to via a point deduction to Nunez in the third round. Um, she had poked Hughes in the first, was warned constantly by the ref in the second, poked her again in the third, and the ref took a point. Perfectly okay with that uh, with that foul, with, with the way that was handled by the ref. Um, I was, again, I was 100% okay with the point being taken. So, again, we wind up with 128-28. Which I don't think is an unfair score. I don't think it's unfair to give Nunes one and two and then Hughes a ten eight third. Obviously, I didn't agree, but I don't think it's unfair. Uh, and then the other two again twenty nine twenty seven, which was my scorecard. Uh, solid enough win for Hughes. Uh, Sam Hughes had like one of the worst stat lines coming into this fight I think I'd ever seen. She was, I believe, 0-3 in the UFC. Let me double-check that. Yeah, she was 0-3. Uh, 
She had no knockdowns. She had no takedowns. Like, <laughs> she had almost nothing going for her. Uh, so I, I do want to give her a little bit of credit for just kind of continuing to persevere along the path. And kicking everything off, uh, Alatong Hele defeated Kevin Kroom via TKO, 47 seconds of the first round. Uh, not a whole lot to say there. Uh, Alatong just battered him you know, for as long as it lasted. Clocked him with a couple of good punches, never let him off the hook. Uh, good enough stuff from Alatong. So that was the event. Um yeah, underwhelming, as a general rule. Um, a lot of fights. There were 14, I think. Check that. I'm pretty sure. Six, seven, eight. Yeah, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, yeah, 14 fights. Which is probably more than you should ever have on one card. Just throwing that out there. Um, I was. I was so done by the time by the time this thing wrapped up. I was just, I was checked out, man. I was so checked out. Uh, and there's a couple of other reasons for that. I, if the if the counter argument to this is, and I've heard this before, well, you know, watching some of the, what else would you rather be doing? Well, right around the time this was, um, I thought we got to the last like three or so fights on this card. The boxing event had started, and I would have much rather watched that. We're just talking about how I would rather spend my time. But if you want to see my round-by-round -round scoring and whatnot, uh, the MMAZone411mania.com has my report for UFC on ESPN 34. So give that a look if you are so inclined. All right, uh, very briefly, let's talk about the other, uh, some of the other stuff from around the weekend. Bellator had an event on Friday evening. And this was one of the Bellator events I was interested in watching. I didn't get to watch all of it. Um, the prelims and some of the beginnings of the main card overlapped with SmackDown. And you know, SmackDown is part of my job. So that's what I was doing. But when we get to the uh, the main couple of fights, I saw Aaron Pico's win. Uh, it's good to see him you know, continue kind of getting back on track. That was... Ugh, was a nasty fight, man. He beat the crap out of that guy. Uh, the top two fights, I think, were kind of what most people were interested in, and... Man. The Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix, which had a fair assemblage of talent. Um, look, Bellator has some very good light heavyweight fighters. I've said this before about guys like Ryan Bader, or... You know... Would you be shocked if Ryan Bader was still in the UFC and was a title contender? No, you would not. Doesn't mean you think he'd be champion, but is he still one of the five or so best light heavyweights in the world? I think there's a very real possibility that he is. Uh, so our finals is Corey... I, I use Bader as an example, but... So our finals is Vadim Nemkov, who is the Bellator light heavyweight champion. Title was on the line, and this was also the Grand Prix finals against Corey Anderson. And first round, pretty close, back and forth. Um, I favored Nemkov in that round. Second round, Anderson's wrestling gets a little bit more going. Third round, pretty much all Corey Anderson. Fourth round, Anderson gets a takedown, and while throwing a punch, we get a clash of heads. 
that splits open Vadim Nemkov's left eyebrow pretty bad. Like, it's enough to stop the fight. It's a pretty bad cut. Uh, and we get a no contest. <laughs> I mean, the funniest thing in the world about this, they clash heads. Again, Anderson is throwing a punch. He misses it, and you know, Nemkov's kind of moving his head around, trying to avoid the punch. Anderson throws it and throws himself off balance a little bit. This was a lot like, not identical, but if you remember the clash of heads between Fedor and Nogueira in their second fight, similar, the way that Anderson's body was moving into his punch. Um, but you know, Anderson and Nemkov both said, hey, we cracked heads. The referee says they cracked heads, and you got big John McCarthy on commentary. And that was a legal blow. Just Why? Just why? So, no contest, I'll probably do a rematch, but it's a very Bellator thing to have, like, hey, you got a tournament? We've got some very talented light heavyweights, and they did. You know, this, uh, I mean, this tournament had Anthony Johnson at one point before he fell out, Ryan Bader, Vadim Nemkov, uh, Corey Anderson, Phil Davis, uh, Leonardo Machida... Like, you had some talented guys. And everyone... And you had two guys who were originally in the tournament. We weren't dealing with any replacements. We were dealing with two guys who had won all of their fights fairly. Like, there was no real controversy here. And the winner of this fight... You know, would I say they're the best light heavyweight fighter in the world? Probably not. But is that an unfair claim to make? Also, no. You could make that claim. And it ends with a headbutt. Oh, uh, you, you have to laugh. Like, Bellator did everything right leading up to this. None of what, none of this is on Bellator. Sometimes it is. Sometimes, hey, you made stupid matches, and guess what happened? Here, nope. We made the right matches at every step of the way. We had some good fights. You know, both guys were coming in hot. And tripped at the finish line. <laughs> Just... I feel, I feel bad for all parties, man. I mean, that was going Anderson's way. Corey Anderson has become a very good fighter. Uh, he kind of was middling in the UFC. You know, he had some good wins, but he had some pretty bad losses, too. Uh, he seems to have really kind of finally found himself, and you know, God bless him. Hope he's getting paid. I mean, some of the quotes that he came up with after this, you know, you know I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the best in the world. I beat Glover Teixeira. He did. And I, I milked Jan Blachowicz like a cow, which, buddy, oh, poor choice of words. Especially since on the rematch, Jan knocked you out cold. But uh, it's just unfortunate. I think they'll probably book a rematch. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything else going on in that division. Uh, the main event was the rematch between AJ McKee and Patricio Pitbull. Not a great fight. Not a bad fight, but not a great fight. Um, Pitbull wins via unanimous decision. AJ McKee's... Uh, uh, it, it, this was not a bad fight. Let me stress that. It was a fairly low action fight as a general rule. Um, I scored it 3-2 to two for Pitbull. I mean, I was just kind of watching this casually, so I wasn't actively scoring it, but... 
I, I scored it for Pitbull. Uh, McKee was, looked flabbergasted. I mean, uh, his corner, I think his father in particular, was like, yeah, you won every round. And no. That's a ridiculous... Now, look, if you're just telling your fighter what they need to hear to maximize their output, I get it. You know, the corner's job is not to be honest with their fighter. The corner's job is to maximize the fighter's output and protect them from danger. If your fighter fights best if they think they're on top of the world and you have to lie to them about it, you do what you got to do. If your fighter fights best when you kind of hype them up and you're down and you got to get a finish this round and that's what gets the best out of them, then that's what you do. You know, Somewhat famously, if you watch Greg Jackson, if you watch how Greg Jackson corners George St. Pierre versus how he corners Carlos Condit, very, very different because... You know, George, you need to keep calm, keep relaxed, encourage him, give him technical advice. You're doing great. And that's how he performs at his best. Condit, you kind of got to fire him up a little bit. You, 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 you give him advice, but you a little bit more urgency, a little bit more high energy. And that's kind of what maximizes Carlos Condit. So, and so if telling AJ McKee all the time that you're the best, you're winning every minute of every round is what maximizes his output, then that's what you tell him. Uh, I, I tend to think a lot of co commentary because they're attempting to be a bit more honest with their presentation. We'll listen to a, a, a corner go, you know, yeah, you, you won that round, you're good. And, go, you know, I wouldn't be that confident. Like, you don't know if they're actually that confident or if they're just communicating with the fighter, but you, you need a talking point, I suppose, for the broadcast. Um, McKee said, I think McKee's going to be moving up. I think he indicated he's done with 145. Um, you know, been said about, uh, Patricio before. He's the best Bellator fighter ever. He's spent not his entire career in Bellator, but he's never gone anywhere else. I think like since he's been there, he's been there and he's achieved at the highest level that Bellator has to offer the most consistently. Like, it's not that no one from Bellator has gone on to, you know, the UFC or whatnot and won titles. They have. But I, I do tend to, I'm very sympathetic to the position that he's the best quality fighter Bellator has ever produced. Uh, there was also the boxing event that I mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, Errol Spence Jr. and Yodanis Ugas, and Spencer beat the crap out of Ugas before we finally got a stoppage. I think it was the 10th. Um, Ugas's eyes were just messed up. His right eye in particular just like swollen shut. Um, this was almost co I can't say comically one-sided, but this was a lot more one-sided than certainly I th I thought Spence was going to win. I thought Ugas might put up a better fight than he did though. Um, there was like one sequence where Ugas landed a really good punch and that just seemed to annoy Spence who just doubled up on his offense and just abused that guy. Vicious body work. Um, after the fight, you know, we've been needing to see Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford for about three years now. It's been the only relevant fight to make at welterweight in boxing. And we keep dicking around. <laughs> um, make that fight. Please. Such a good fight. So, my thoughts on that for whatever, yeah, Errol Spence, still really, really good. And please, get the fight with Bud Crawford. 
And it's beyond time that that fight happens. All right, let's move on to previewing next week's card, and I will try to be brief. Again, there's not a lot here that's terribly inspiring. So, main event. Amanda Lemos will fight Jessica Andrade. This is a pretty big step up for Lemos. Now, Lemos is 11-1-1 overall. She debuted for the UFC in 2017. Missed all of 18. Came back late in 19. Uh, but she's on a five-fight winning streak. She's finished four of those. Uh, had the split decision with Angela Hiller last time out. I thought scoring that either way was uh, valid. I scored it for Lemos, but if he scored it for Hill, I'm not up in arms. But she's taken a big step up to fight Andrade. This is Andrade returning to strawweight for the first time since... What, 2020? Yeah, she moved up in October of 2020. Uh, stopped Caitlin Chukagian with body punches. That was nice. Fought for the belt. Got obliterated by Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, that was... That might be Valentina's best win at flyweight. I I, I think if you wanted to argue her best win overall, name-wise, it's probably Holly at bantamweight. But... Uh, the way she performed against someone like Andrade, I mean, that was always a bad stylistic matchup for Andrade, but Shevchenko just, oof, that was a, it was a whooping. <laughs> uh, she stopped Cynthia Calvillo late last year. Um, now she's back at strawweight, wants to try her hand at that again, I guess. And, you know... A third fight between her and Rose Namajunas is not the worst thing in the world. They're one and one, and I think they match up very, very well. Uh, I've said this before. I think the way they match up stylistically just kind of always favors Andrade over a long enough time frame. But uh, I'm... Lemos is a pretty big straw weight. Uh, This is her first five-round fight. Yeah, I'm going to pick Andrade here, but this is a this is a lot more competitive than you think it is if all you if all you know is what Jessica Andrade has done. If you haven't seen what Lemos has done to this point, you might think Andrade is just going to bulldoze her, and she might. I'm not saying that's impossible, but I think this is a slightly this is a more competitive fight than most people will give it credit for. Co-main event, Clay Guida. Pleguida will fight Claudio Puyas. Um, Puyas is on a four-fight winning streak. I mean, I don't pick Pleguida to win at this point. It's not that he can't win. He's two and three in his last couple of fights, last five fights. But I don't pick him to win. Uh, I think Puyas will probably catch him in a submission at some point. Heavyweight, Tanner Bozier will fight Alexander Romanov. Romanov is undefeated. He is 15-0. Bozier, I believe, last lost to... No, he beat Ovin St. Pru. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. Probably going to pick Romanov here. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, not a lot of high hopes for that one. Pretty good featherweight fight. If you're looking at this card going, what can I possibly get excited about? Lando Venata versus Charles Jordan. This is pretty good. Uh, Venata... He looked pretty good in his featherweight debut, beating Mike Grundy. 
Uh, whereas Jordan beat Andre Ewell. Lost to Juliana Rosa before that. Uh, Jordan's talented. Uh, problem is, I think he's talented in ways that might play into Venata's strengths. Tough one. I'm going to pick Venata, but that's a good fight. I think that's, that's a really... Uh, after, that's probably the best fight on this card, on paper, as I looked down this card. Uh, women's flyweight Macy Barber will fight Montana De La Rosa. Um, Barber had that split decision win over Miranda Maverick. I thought she lost that fight. Um, where's De La Rosa? Yeah. Probably go with Barber here, but the bloom is most certainly off of that rose. And kicking off the main card, Demir Hadzovic will fight Steve Garcia. Garcia has gone one and one in the UFC. Uh, lost to Luis Pena, then beat Charlie Ontiveros. I'm going to pick Hadzovic here. Um, Hadzovic has had some, he's been up and down. He's had some rough losses. Uh, but if you look at who he's lost to, he got knocked out by Maribek Tysimov, lost a decision to Alain Patrick. The loss to Christos Yagos might be the worst one, and then he got uh, submitted by Hanato Moicano, but he's also got some pretty impressive wins. He knocked out Marcin Held with a knee, I remember that. Uh, stopped Polo Reyes, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Coming off a win over Yancy Medeiros. I'm going to pick Hadzovic here. Uh, I feel okay doing that. On the, as for the prelims, flyweights Manel Kopp and Sue Mudarji. Um, Mudarji had a rough start to this UFC run, but he's won his last three fights. I mean, he's not been fighting terribly great guys. So he, he only dropped to flyweight recently. Um, his last two have been at flyweight. Where he's beaten Malcolm Gordon and uh, Zarek Adeshev. But I think he's probably a bit overmatched by Cop as a general rule. Uh, I'll pick Cop. Welterweight, Louis Koske and Preston Parsons. Probably lean towards Parsons here. Um, gentlemen have both fought in the UFC before. Double check. When that might have happened. Koske, I think his, his only loss is in the UFC. Yeah, he lost to Sasha Politnikov in 2020. Yeah, he was one of the brothers. Like He and his brother both got signed coming off the Contender Series. I think they both lost their debuts. Uh, oh, he's Kosey. Kosey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Parsons, by contrast. Yeah, also lost his UFC debut. He drew Daniel Rodriguez for his UFC debut. That's a rough draw, man. Daniel Rodriguez is pretty darn good. Um, probably go with Parsons. But I'm not confident in that. Welterweight, Dwight Grant and Sergey uh, Kandosko. No, sorry, different guy. Uh, Kand yeah, Kandosko. Sorry. Uh, font issue there. 
Grant has been a little bit up and down in the UFC. His last few fights have been split decisions. Uh, there's Kandushko. He's fought in the UFC. At least once. He, uh, he's one and one. Lost to Rustam Khabilov. He's been out since 2019. It's a long time to be out. Tempted to go with Grant just because he's been more active. But I think I'm going to go with Kandusko. Light heavyweight, Tyson Pedro and Ike Villanueva. I... Pedro is... Pedro got stopped by Shogun in... He has been out since 2018? Dang, man. He was supposed to fight Vinicius Mojea in 2020, but had some kind of an injury. I don't know what he's been dealing with, but... Okay, he had knee construction. He had uh, uh, knee reconstruction, so... I, I... That can do it. Like That can take you out for a while. I mean, the crazy thing about Pedro is that he was beating Owen St. Prue before he got sucked into grappling with the guy and lost. He was beating Shogun. <laughs> like he was, he was having these bits where he's just, hey, I'm d he's doing really well. And like, hey, you look pretty good. This is going your way. And then just makes a boneheaded decision. Uh, Villanueva has gone like one and four in the UFC. Uh his saving grace, I suppose, is that he's in fa he's in fights that the fans enjoy. That's a tough one, believe it or not. I'm I'm gonna pick Pedro. Might feel really really dumb doing that, but at the moment I'm going to. Uh, bantamweight Orichi Long against Cameron Else. Uh, let me have a quick look here. Orichi Long. Not 0 and 2 in the UFC. Kind of needs a win. I mean, he lost to Jeff Molina and Cody Durden. We're not bad fighters. Uh, else. Lost his UFC debut. Yeah, he fought Kyler Phillips, and Phillips beat the crap out of him. It was a rough fight. I'm going to pick Else, but mm, not not terribly confident in that. Uh, Marching Procneo against Philippe Linz, because... More light heavyweight. How many light heavyweights? Only the two? We got two light heavyweights. We got a heavyweight fight. Is there another heavyweight? Yeah. It's just, just not a good card. Um, Procneo is on a two-fight winning streak after a three-fight losing streak to start his UFC career. And Linz. He's gone 0-2 in the UFC. He's trying his hand at light heavyweight, I think. He used to be a heavyweight. Yeah, his UFC fights have been against Andre Arlovsky and Tanner Bozier, and, you know, not for nothing. That's a... That is not a, li a light level of competition. Um, how do I go here? I think I'll lean Procneo, but, again, I am not confident in that at all. Uh, we're going to get a fight between Jordan Wright and Marc-Andre Barrio at some point here. Um, Wright, been a bit up and down in the UFC. Yeah, he's 2-2. Two and two. Um, And Barrio is kind of a punching bag, but wears you down because it's hard to finish him. I'll go with Wright, actually. Just 
I'm not surprised. I'm very rarely surprised when Barrio wins, but his style is just not conducive to longevity. And I believe kicking everything off, Dean Barry will fight Mike Jackson. We're serious. Wait, wait, wait. Seriously? Um. Yeah, Mike. Ja Mike no wins Jackson. His official record is 0-1 with one no contest. He won that terrible decision. I don't mean that because the decision was bad. I mean, the fight sucked out loud. His fight with uh, CM Punk in 2018, they got changed to a no contest. Oh, God. Was... And now he's fighting Dean Barry, who is 4-1. Uh, reps Ireland. Uh... I don't have words for this. Why is this here? I'll pick Barry. Because... I'm not going to pick Mike Jackson to beat anyone who knows what they're doing. But, yeah, that's the card. It's not great on paper. There's a few in... In the interest of fairness, you know, look. you got a fairly relevant main event. Venata and Jordan's a good fight. Hadzovic and Garcia has a bit of potential. Kopp and Sumu Darji, I'm kind of looking forward to. I'm curious to see what Tyson Pedro looks like coming back. But this is not... This is not an exciting card. And if you want to know what happens but don't want to sit down and watch the whole thing, I will be covering it in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. So please do stop by, say hello. I always appreciate that. All right. News has been pretty light. Here's the only thing that I saw that I kind of wanted to comment on. Uh, the UFC has booked Neil Magny versus Shavkat Rachmanov for June. Uh, I believe that will headline one of the fight nights. So, I think it's said June 25th. Um, good fight. Really good fight. Uh, I'm a big believer in Rachmanov. Neil Magny is a... I don't think he's ever going to be champion at this point, even though I spent... A long time doing the future UFC welterweight champion Neil Magny gimmick. Uh, I like the fight. I really like the fight. Uh, my inclination is Rachmanov, but Neil Magny is a really stiff test for anyone in that division. So I think that's all I have as far as news items go. So let me check the various social medias. And see if anything crazy is broken. And if not, we will get into plugs and get out of here. Uh, I suppose I can just very quickly. Dana White's making noise about wanting to sign John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. Um, probably they might. Uh, if they're aiming for that fight, it would probably be for the interim heavyweight title and would probably headline the pay per view around what used to be International Fight Week. I don't know if they're still going to call it that or whatnot, but the big summer pay per view in July. Uh, if they can make it, good. I mean, it's a great fight. It's a really good fight. So, But at the moment, it's just this is what we're trying to do. There's nothing actually confirmed. So I think we'll leave that where it's... Play that where it lies at the moment. All right, with that out of the way... I think that's the only other thing. Yeah, let's do plugs. So last week, I was part of Damn You Hollywood, per usual. We reviewed Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh... 
That was myself, Mark Radlich, and Alexis Haina. We had some fun. Uh, talked good, bad, otherwise. We were all mostly positive on the film as a whole. Uh, there was a Damn You Hollywood uh, on Monday. I was not a part of that. It was Mark Radlich and Ronnie Adams reviewing the latest Michael Bay film, Ambulance, which cratered. Uh, speaking of cratering, this week on Damn You Hollywood on Tuesday will be Damn will be Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and this thing, uh, real soft opening. Real soft. So... I think that's the only thing I'm on this week, as far as other podcasts go. Uh, there will be a TV party on Thursday for Green Eggs and Ham Season 2, which I'm watching at the moment because, in case I get called up, I'm permanently on deck. It's kind of my thing. So, there's that. Uh, let's see. I don't think I have anything else. Yeah, I think that's it for podcasting. So, again, movie reviews over there on the Rattletrim Broadcasting Network slash W2M Network. Uh, my usual spate of professional wrestling coverage. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. MLW's Fusion or whatever else they're doing on Thursday. And WWE SmackDown on Friday. So, if you're interested in my thoughts on the world of professional wrestling, feel free to tune into my coverage or read the report. Those are in the wrestling zone of 411mania.com. Saturday, UFC on ESPN Plus 63, and we'll be back here next week to review UFC on ESPN Plus 63, and we will be previewing UFC on ESPN 35, which is headlined by Rob Font and Marlon Vera, which is a darn good bantamweight fight. That's a really good fight. The rest of that card. Look at the rest of that card. Uh, okay, the rest of that card is a little bit iffy, but we will have a full preview next week, so tune in as always. Until next time, thank you very, very much again for all the support that you give. I deeply, profoundly appreciate it. I will see you all next week. Stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>